Welcome everyone to Remembering Conference Cantatas. My name is Mike Livermore, and today I am so thrilled to have two very special guests on this episode. With me are Dan and Linda Wilton, all the way from Manitouan Island. Welcome, guys. How are you doing? Yeah, doing well, thanks. How are you, Mike? Oh, I'm doing fantastic. I'm so excited to have this discussion with you. Yeah, it's just so great to uh, to go back and to relive some of these uh, these memories and these events. At, at first, we we were a little hesitant just with the whole idea when it was proposed to us, but uh, then having gone back and listened to uh, some of your other previous podcasts, it just it brought back so many memories. And then we started digging and we started looking at old photos. We we were even able to watch the uh, the cantata. Um, from 2008, and it was just amazing to see those faces and uh, and just to hear those songs and and connect the faces to them. Yeah, it's just the whole youth conference experience is so uplifting, and it's just so life changing. And then the cantata on top of it at the end of the week is just such an amazing thing. So we're we're so happy to reignite that for us, and I think what you're hoping is that that will be the uh, one of the intended goals. And then as well for us to pass it on like to the young people that haven't heard these firsthand or even for us to uh, to like our children. So it's just amazing to be able to, uh, to go back and to relive this. And I think too, it's been great to actually go back and listen to all these cantatas again. Uh, I mean, there's so many music options we can listen to right now, but it's, you know, we've had them playing in the house. We have these fun. We haven't listened to them for a couple of maybe some of them a couple of years, maybe. <laughs> yeah, the week at conference is such a faith-building experience. And to be able to kind of go back and talk about it and re-listen like this, it really stirs up that that faith, that energy we had back then. I found it very beneficial and so glad to join me. And Mike, I, I just wanted to mention I you reassured me that it, it doesn't matter how much musical experience I have or don't have. And and Linda obviously has a, a lot more than I do being so talented but uh for me my perspective as i said just the whole youth conference experience um being such a, a great one and having gone to to so many youth conferences and then having just of course fallen in love with the cantatas as you know as they've uh, come to be what they are um i i remember and i have to say this from the start i remember going in and pre-ordering cds from auntie joan as we would throughout the week or to yeah. work, how many would you like to pre-order you know when the copies of the cds came out and i would go in and wait my turn in line and and then joan i would she'd come to know that when it came to, <laughs> came to be my turn i'd order about 35 cds at least if not more and they were just the best gifts and you know just to pass on to to everyone once you realize what was in these cantatas and, and just how amazing they were, the lessons, the songs, the narration, everything. Yeah, I would order five or six myself <laughs> and share them, but 35, Dan, that's incredible. <laughs> uh, that's a number. The basement, I think, but uh, <laughs> okay, right, most right. of them were given away. Speaking of numbers, uh, Dan, how many conferences do you think you've been to? Uh, we were counting it up the other night. I, I think it's 13 conferences. So yeah, lots. There would be a few that would definitely um, surpass me on that. But yeah, I'm thankful. I'm very, very blessed to have gone to that many. Yeah, I, I've been to eight myself, thankfully. I'm, I'm only in single digits, but eight wonderful, wonderful years. 
Now, unfortunately, one of those years was not this year, 2008. But the theme for this year, I can still set a few of the background items. The theme for this year was parables and the gospel of Luke with the theme verse coming out of Luke chapter 8 and verse 10, which says, And he said to you, it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to the rest it is given in parables, that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. And so the key phrase on the banner that year was, to you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. And that was the theme for the year. And the workbook that year was written by Tim Cooper and Daryl Rose. Now, again, for me not being there this year, I had a hard time laying the context for what the study was like and what the week was like leading up to the cantata. So can you guys give me any information on some of the context and what the camp was like this year in 2008? Yeah, I think I think we can help. I hope we're not saying too much here, Mike, because we actually have some stories before the uh, conference ever started. Uh, oh, please. Yes. Yeah. Would Let's you like to hear, hear some of that? So before the, uh, before the conference even started, and uh, obviously very much related to the, uh, to the cantata, um, we, have a few, uh, we have a few stories from Daryl. So we'll start with that from Daryl. So uh, Brother Daryl Rose, this was his first year to conduct, and there, there might be some out there who would think, unless they were listening to your podcast, they would think that maybe Daryl had done it since 2002, but Daryl, for the first time, um, led it in 2008, uh, of course, after Brother uh, Dan Osborne um, wasn't planning to come back again after his uh, 2007 um, sort of grand finale. Um, which we thought it was his grand finale. But 2008, Daryl led it for the first time, and uh, he wrote us, and I will quote uh, what he said. So he says, I remember volunteering to lead the choir in March of 2008. At that time, I had no music program and no electronic piano or mic to record. So first order was to buy everything I needed. And then I had about two months to write the music. So in total, he says it took him about three months to get all set up and to get everything um, completed. So he was very grateful that that Linda and I wrote two songs and Dan Osborne wrote two songs, two new ones, and also sent uh, another one along as well that he already had in his uh, in his repertoire. And that was a huge help, he says. It was a good uh, it was good that he had written the workbook that year, of course, so the uh, the lessons and the ideas were so fresh in his mind. He knew the subject well. And the first song of the cantata, Thy Salvation, was the first song that he ever wrote. And it's hard wow. To, yeah, yeah, wow. And he says, I remember the excitement I had when I came up with the idea of bringing the chorus of Thy Salvation back for the final song of that same cantata. And so uh, I'm sure that will come up again. Uh, at youth conference, it was his first time leading a choir, um, but he had lots of musical experience. And I guess sort of his first time, he actually had directed the choir at main camp, at the Manitoulin main camp just a few weeks before. So that's what Daryl had, had written to us. And uh, just a little bit of background um, to see what was going on behind the scenes in the months leading up to the youth conference. And I guess just a little bit to add about what we were up to. So we had um, been married the previous year and then we had lived in Jamaica doing missionary work for the five months leading up to the youth conference this year. 
and Claire Herbert had come down for the last month that we were there. So we travelled back from Jamaica together and then went straight to youth conference pretty much. So Daryl had asked me to play, but the problem was um, I only had this tiny little keyboard to practice on in Jamaica. And that actually was the small keyboard that we used to because Dan and I wrote a couple of songs that year. So that was the key little keyboard that we used to compose these songs as well. We obviously didn't have access to printing. So I remember him trying some of the music down, but I don't think it ever all made it to us safely. (laughs) Um, And so I remember that I think we came back just days before conference started and it was like a cram session to try and learn these songs (laughs) to play at youth conference that year. Wow. How close up to conference were you still in Jamaica? I think we uh, came back on the Tuesday before or something like that. So if they didn't let us in the country, I guess Daryl would have uh, you know, had to find somebody else to play the piano. <laughs> oh, man. Thankfully, you made it back. Quite a story. Okay, so getting into the camp then this year, thankfully, you were able to make it and get there and be a huge part of the camp. I wasn't able to actually go this year. so I, But nonetheless, I actually did download the workbook and I've skimmed it. And I've actually did a little bit of study on some of the parables with the workbook to guide me. So I've done a a little bit of dabbling with the workbook, but it seemed to me to be a very practical study, like a lot of takeaways. I would think there'd be a lot of of practical lessons that the campers could take back home with them. So I'm curious what you thought of the study and the workbook this year, and it's the overall theme of analyzing the parables in Luke. Yeah, it was was a great year. you uh you're exactly right mike it was it was practical it was just really really hit home as youth conference does um typically you know just the practical aspect of living the truth but this maybe to another degree the idea of yeah building on on a proper foundation proper spiritual foundations you know the idea of seeking the lost looking out for one another um the idea of you know watching materialism you know things of this world um the thorns as it is in the parable of the sword don't choke us just things like that that really lend themselves to discussion groups so i mean it it was i remember it not being hard like the discussion uh leaders and assistants that year it wasn't it wasn't a hard job not not like the years you know revelation or maybe it's like maybe the year with First principles, yeah, it, it was not hard to pull out practical stuff and, and to get people talking in the discussion groups and to continue that discussion uh, long after the groups um, discussion groups were ended. So it, it was a very positive year. And, of course, with Daryl Rose and, uh, and Tim Cooper writing the workbook, um, they did a great job um, bringing out those lessons from these parables. And it was good to um, Chris Sales kind of complimented the studies he led the evening programs and he dealt with a number of the parables that in Luke that were not covered in the workbook. Oh, very nice. That would have been lovely. That sounds like a, a great week at conference. Now, what can you tell me about the debut of the Aussie Burgers this year? So this was the first year that we introduced the Aussie Barbecue. Um, I think it was the Friday evening and we were assigned, um, we were assigned to do the meal for that evening and we had um, a couple of friends from Australia Caleb and Cassie Witten who had come to conference that year as well so the four of us got together and and organized a a Aussie barbecue now I remember Dan having to get up in front of everyone and really sell this Aussie burger (laughs) there's people like eggs on burger 
beetroot on burger, pineapple on burgers. Anyway, we actually, for years afterwards, had people come up to us and say, we can't eat a burger without egg or without bacon now. <laughs> it was a big hit. I, I remember coming back in 2009 and everybody was super pumped up about this big Aussie burger dinner. And so I jumped into the tradition at this point and I loved the pineapple. <laughs> I loved the egg. So I love like the, the sweet and the savory balance of the egg and pineapple. But I'm not sure about the beet. No. I'm, I'm out on the beet. Everything else golden. And that's okay. I, I don't like the beets either. But I, <laughs> I remember though, it was pouring rain that night. And so here we are trying to introduce this new idea. We end up having to last minute move everything up to the little awning outside the pavilion. So everyone kind of followed food through there and then had to eat in the pavilion. I just, uh, I totally agree with Linda, but I just have to make one comment, one correction. It, it definitely couldn't have been the Friday night because that that was cantata night. I, I'm pretty sure it was a Tuesday barbecue because oh. there's at least three barbecues right every year. So yeah, and it was just because everyone then was eating dinner in inside the pavilion. Yeah, I remember in 2009, it was the, the Tuesday late afternoon Bible readings and Daryl and I both brought our camp chairs and just popped on the little spots on the beach. And then after the readings, we went up and got our burgers and came back to our camping chairs. And he and I just devoured those things and had a little romantic date with Aussie burgers there on the beach. It was a wonderful memory with Daryl. So thank you very much for introducing that tradition to Manitoulin Youth Conference. And wasn't there also a preaching effort this year during Youth Conference? So it was just a, it was a small group. It wasn't the whole camp that went out. But yeah, there was a, an effort to support the uh, Ecclesia up here. And it was a great added extra for the week because, of course, the idea of one of the parables that we considered the parable of the sower there, you know, there we were, or sorry, I shouldn't say we because I wasn't a part of it that time. But uh, that there that group was, you know, out sowing the seeds of the gospel. Yeah. And helping the Ecclesia up here, which was uh, which was a great thing. Nice. Did you have any other stories you'd love, love to share with us from 2008? Yeah. I'd love to hear them. Oh, we have another another parable in action, too. It was so fun uh, to do with the, the same brother we mentioned, Caleb Witten, um, who had come from Australia. Caleb and Cassie had, had come and were a married couple and were support staff with us. And Caleb was out, I think it was playing a game of Ultimate Frisbee one afternoon on the main playing field and lost his wedding ring for some reason it just went like either it took a took him a long time to realize he'd lost it or it just was nowhere near where he thought it was and so there was several hours where people were out seeking the lost well wedding ring not the lost coin but it was just a whole yeah eventually it became a whole line of people walking in stride to, uh, to looking at the ground to find this wedding ring and uh, just yeah, rejoicing, and it was just such a such amazing that it was the year that we considered that parable and uh, and found Caleb's wedding wedding <laughs> ring on the field. <laughs> That's incredible! Wow, wow. And I guess it was also our first year as being support staff too. So Dan had attended for a number of years, you know, um, as a coordinator. So this was our first year being support staff since we were married now. So. It was kind of like we had our own group because we had Caleb and Cassie camping on our site with us, but definitely a different experience, but um, yeah, still a great experience. 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, I remember you guys as campers just being a huge part of the camp. In my first year of conference, I was a total newbie to Manitoulin and Dan really helped me out that year. So I'm sure as support staff, you were still super valuable to to the camp and to everybody there. I, uh, I went back and looked at some of the photos on the website and uh, I don't want to start mentioning names here, Mike, but I, I just, yeah, I, it really, it was one of those years where, it, yeah, it just, one of those years that was just all of those sort of typical ones that I remember from conference just seemed to be there. Yeah, it was it was one of those years. It was a great year. Except you, Bob. Really positive year. Yeah, well, <laughs> except. Thank oh, you. Sorry. <laughs> it's, it's all good. Uh, but no, it was uh, it was one of those years. And I, I do remember, uh, actually, Linda pointed it out when we were uh, watching the video of the cantata it was still and 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 one more this year and one more year to go where it was still just a small pavilion and so it was uh it was on the friday night of the cantata it was it was a sweat box we uh, we saw daryl wiping the sweat off his <laughs> off his forehead lots of times it was uh, it was warm in there for sure it wasn't until uh the early part of 2010 when the pavilion was extended but that was part of the, the the fun of camp was the intimacy of all being packed in like sardines into that little pavilion. There was something magical about it, even if it was also awful. <laughs> it was it was had that wonderful sort of just flavor of Manitoulin culture. Well, I'm glad this was a magical year for you. I mean, I wasn't there, but my little brother Andrew was, and he came back and had the week of his life, and he really blossomed that year. So I was so thankful this year was was what it was for so many, and especially for my brother Andrew. So let's shift now into the cantata. It sounds like it was a great week of conference, and that led into another great cantata this year. The title of the cantata is, My Eyes Have Seen Thy Salvation which is inspired from the words of Simeon in Luke chapter 2, verse 30, where for context sake, verse 29, Simeon says, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation. So at the end of Simeon's life, he was able to witness the Lord. And his words inspired really the title of this cantata, where we then sort of have the cantata on this year of the parable of Luke, the cantata really begins at the beginning of the book of Luke with the birth of Christ and how he is really the source, the fulfillment of salvation for us as believers, but also for the nation of Israel. And then that traces this theme of salvation all the way through to the modern age where Israel now is restored. And so it was a great theme and approach for the cantata. A few facts for this cantata. There's 18 tracks, nine songs, nine narrations. It's about 55 minutes long. For those that are curious, four songs in this cantata make my top 80 rankings, and one which we'll discuss makes my top 10. The director this year was Daryl Rose. The piano player was, of course, as we've mentioned, Linda Wilton, who's here with us. And the narrator was Joachim Hale. Now, I'll briefly mention the composers, and I'll have a question for you, Dan and Linda. So this year was truly a team effort for the composition of the songs. Daryl wrote the songs, Thy Salvation, The Vineyard of Yahweh, The Salvation of Israel, and The Camp Hymn Unto Us. Then Dan Osborne wrote The Brightness of Thy Glory, Lead Me to the Rock, and The Thorns. But I believe then you two wrote Sowing and Growing and Seeking the Lost. 
Now I checked on the, the information on the songs and it looks like it says the lyrics written by Dan Wilton, music by Linda Wilton. So I'm curious what your collaboration process is and how you two write a song together like that. Good question. <laughs> I'll let Linda answer that one. Well, often, I think sewing and growing, we did work on the words together. So we would always write the words first and then we would come up with the music after. So um, I think we worked on the words of that together. I, I know Seeking the Lost Dan purely wrote um, a lot of the, well, he wrote all the words himself. And so once we have the words together, then I worked on putting those words to music. And I think a lot of the themes from Seeking the Lost, if I'm not mistaken, were taken from a talk of Uncle Roger Lewis. Is that right? Yeah. Well, I, I yeah, I, I think it is. Uh, Uncle Roger, one of his talks, I, I don't know where it was, at a fraternal gathering or, or somewhere along the lines. Yeah, he, he definitely dealt with that one time. And Linda's right. Um, <laughs> and verification of that is, uh, I'm pretty sure, <laughs> I think it was uh, Jesse Adair at some point in the week when we were singing in choir, he, <laughs> at the end of, at the end of one of the practices, he, uh, he he said to me, oh, Dan, I really like your song, Seeking the Lost, that uh, you and Linda wrote. He goes, I just feel like I'm listening to Uncle Roger when I sing that one. <laughs> nice, nice. So we were hoping that it, it just really was such an important point to recognize that loss. You don't have to be outside to be lost. You can be right inside. Um, you can be right right here, right there, you know, like, in, and still be lost. And that's why it's an impo important thing to really be looking out for one another, for our brothers and sisters and fellow young people, even the ones that may still be right in front of us there. But we really have to get to know each other, you know, and really build those strong friendships. And I guess both the songs, I guess, kind of had a special meaning to us because, like we mentioned at the time, we were living in Jamaica doing missionary work. So obviously there's the preaching aspect, there's also the pastoral work that we were doing as well with, you know, seeking the lost. And I'm sure these will come up um, later on when we talk about the songs more in detail. But yeah, they did have definitely have a special, special meaning to us at the time. Wow, wow, your connection to Jamaica with these songs, that's, that's so interesting to hear. Thankfully, the lessons in those two songs are still so powerful today, especially seeking the lost, how applicable now at a time like this to remember our friends, remember members of our ecclesia that need connection, that need help to reach out and try to build up those relationships. Uh, very important lesson. So thank you very much for the, the legacy of these two songs. So now we're gonna shift into the awards. And uh, maybe before we do, was there any other stories or ideas or things you wanted to share about this cantata or this year before we get into the awards? Maybe just when you're on the topic of uh, you were going through the list of songs, j just for the record, I suppose, the small group for the Vineyard of Yahweh was Hannah Elliott, Sabrina Higgs, Kristen Lobello, Robin Sternad, Tamar Goltz, Anna Lee Noble, Claire Herbert, Josh Bartholomew, and Tim Stiles. So just uh, quite a quite a group there and I wasn't allowed to mention names before I didn't want to get in trouble but there there yeah there's a few of those names Mike wonderful yeah, thank and, you and the solo at the start of that song was Tamar good to know I uh, I did <laughs> I had to I had to chip this in because re-watching it Mike uh, the, the, I have to bring this up so I had to bring another category in even before you start to get into your categories the most enthusiastic 
male singer and the most enthusiastic female singer. Okay, so yes, rewatching them, there's some, and there's a lot of enthusiastic singers, um, and, and just obviously very, very good singers. But there's there's certain individuals that if a good part is coming, or if you're in the middle of a good part, you, you know it by the look on their face or by <laughs> by their body language. So I have to. The most enthusiastic male singer is definitely Jason Hensley. And uh, I don't know how many years Jason was at Manitoulin Youth Conference, but obviously quite a few. But yeah, he is he is just into the cantata 100%. Love it. Uh, definitely a, a second behind him. I also have to mention the name of uh, Brother Andrew Fraser, who is just an unbelievable tenor. And he is right right into it too not as a much expression as jason hensley but uh, i remember singing close to uh andrew fraser and wow that that brother can sing oh yeah he's got power yeah sure. if, if you hear a strong tenor voice i don't i wish i knew which years he was there but if you hear a strong tenor voice um it, it's likely him in, in around those years the, the phrase is a legend yeah i i just wanted to mention that and then the most enthusiastic oh, female singer has to be, and I'm biased because she's my cousin, but Sister Rachel Wilson. She is just the same as as Jason in, in that respect. The body language, the excitement on her face, the smiles, right? You know when a good part is coming or, or when, when it is a good part, right? And, uh, the bobbing up and down. Yeah, <laughs> to, but it just helps the, uh, the audience be into it as well. And I, I had to add those two in there. I love it. I love those awards. And if there are videos available of these cantatas, we've got to we've got to make these available. We got to get copies online somewhere. People would love to look at the videos. Thanks, to Uncle Dave Jackson. <laughs> okay, well, I'll get to work on that. All right. So thank you for those bonus awards, Dan. I fully support those, and I hope someday to see a video of Jason and Rachel just going to town. All right. So. The, uh, the next official award then is the best song at the time. Now, again, I confess I was not there in the pavilion, regrettably, that night. I heard the cantata, if you will, after the Easter gathering in spring 09. So my cantata was in my car westbound on the 401 highway driving home. And I loved it then. Believe me, I did. But it's not the same as being in the pavilion. So I'm curious what you guys think. If you were there, but Linda's at the piano. What did you think was the best song at the time? It's so hard. Um, like, definitely Thy Salvation. Because, I mean, it's the first one Daryl wrote. It's just got some great themes in it. It's Yeah, and it's got it's a really beautiful song. But I would have to say that Lead Me to the Rock and The Salvation of Israel are a close, very close second to I, I do really like those songs. I, I support all of those choices. Dan, what do you think? Yeah, I, I'm the same. I just... Uh, when I heard Thy Salvation for the first time and, uh, and I was singing in choir that year. And as we sung it and just like so many people in choir, we just fell in love with it. I remember there was people like Hannah Elliott just going through the camp, you know, with was constantly singing it, but so many of us were, and, uh, what a song, I don't know. Is it, is it over six minutes long or something, but it, it's just, you don't feel at all, at any point in the song that it's dragging. Like you, you just, you want it to keep going. It's, it's such a powerful song. And then I agree with Linda, with, with the other ones, just 
just a hair behind as well too yeah so, so many good ones that year yeah i just love thy salvation it, the, the song does so many things it's so flexible it has this sense of hopefulness that you know christ is here now this is the fulfillment of god's plan of salvation and there's there's hope now for his people but the song also contains sort of a a little bit of a, a different viewpoint flavored in that is that there is a sense of you know a bittersweet how it's it's the end of Simeon's life and at, at the end of his life despite uh, that finality there nonetheless is this this hopefulness that he can see the Lord and he sees joy in what lies ahead and what is yet to come so the song I think captures sort of both of those viewpoints again it just it does so much it's six and a half minutes long but I love every second because it's it, it's a song of hope enjoy despite the present circumstance i i love the song so it sounds like uh you know by the smallest of margins dan and i have picked thy salvation but linda has picked lead me to the rocks i wonder if we're gonna have to therefore settle on thy salvation being the best song at the time i think so yeah We'll give silver medal to lead me to the rock and maybe a bronze medal to the salvation of Israel. It's all incredible song, incredible song. Okay, so then we come to the category of the best song today. So you know, now maybe you're listening to your car a decade later in your bedroom or on a walk, a commute, whatever. What is the song that after many, many listens, you still love? What is the best song now? I mean, I'll get this conversation started. I think for me, it, it comes back to those things too. It's either Thy Salvation or Lead Me to the Rock. I'd probably buy buy like a, a sliver, pick Thy Salvation, but I could be convinced for a different song. What do you guys think? Well, I'm I'm going to say Lead Me to the Rock. Okay. Thy Salvation hasn't lost anything, um, of course, but just for me personally, uh, lead me to the rock and, and we asked a couple of years ago for 2018 at the Manitoulin kids camp actually leading the teen choir we asked uh, brother Dan Osborne if we could use that song of his for the teen choir and bringing bringing those words back and, and the power of those words and really experiencing a little bit more of life and going through some more storms and trials just hearing those words again, weathering the storms and the troubles wrapped in the embrace of the Messiah. And he's the one who will calm the storms and, and not forsake us. And he's the rock that's higher than I. Like that just for me personally, that that has to take it now. Um, so that's, that's my choice. Yeah, it's a potent song, an applicable song, so helpful in uh, the ups and downs of life. Maybe... Uh, jump in there Mike yep. one more little one I don't I don't know if we we didn't mention thorns either I, that one too that uh, that definitely is one that touches your heart when you listen to that and uh, wow very powerful oh yes that song the thorns was such a moving song really relatable song where and I love the, the connection to the study this year how the song the thorns really is a examination of the theme of thorns from you know the curse in the garden in genesis all the way through you know christ wearing the crown of thorns on the cross to thorns being changed to roses in the kingdom age so then there was the tie-in to luke where in the parable of the sower some of the seed falls on 
certain ground which is then choked out by thorns. So it all was sort of woven in really well. But yeah, I think it's a very relevant song. It makes you think about you know everyone's own lifelong daily struggle with sin, that we have this battle every day and it connects us to Christ and then Christ shared the struggle with us. So I love the theme and the concept of this song. It's such a easy song to connect to and relate to every day, really. But Dan, as you were talking and explaining some of your rationale there, I think you've convinced me. I think you've switched me to pick the best song today to be Lead Me to the Rock for the reasons you described how, you know, as we get older, as there are more challenges, the life continues on, and we learn on a daily basis to trust in God. We have to trust in God. We learn as we get older that we cannot rely on ourselves. And so I think Lead Me to the Rock, as the years have gone by, maybe has has slightly surpassed thy salvation just for the applicability of it. So I think you've convinced me, Dan. Okay, so for our next category then, we're going to look at the best campfire song and discuss this. And, you know, this year, I don't know if there was an obvious candidate for best campfire song. There maybe are a few we could discuss, but I'm curious if you guys thought there was a a potential winner for the best campfire song. No, we were like, we're totally stuck for this one because, I mean, they're great songs, but they're not really songs to be sung around a campfire. I mean, if we were to say any, it would be the camp hymn. But even Daryl says, like, the camp hymn was a disaster. Um, he, he was not happy with it at all. He said, thankfully, he was able to redeem himself and write a good one back in 20, uh, sorry, two years later in 2010. But, yeah, it, it just was, I, I don't know. We don't, we don't, know, don't have anything to contribute to that one. <laughs> I always thought, you know, maybe Lead Me to the Rock, if it was a little bit easier, maybe a simpler version of that could be a great campfire song, something based off that parable in Luke 6. So, but I, it probably will just be the camp hymn then. I maybe I'm more of a fan of the camp hymn than Daryl is. It's not a Mount Rushmore one, but I thought it was okay. I enjoyed it. So maybe we'll give it to the camp hymn unto us as the best campfire song this year. Yeah, I think Daryl was maybe okay. a bit too hard on himself. I, I I agree with you, Mike. I thought it was good. Um, he did actually use the word disaster. Mm-hmm. But I guess if he. If he set the bar with thy with songs like Thy Salvation, right? <laughs> yeah, that that's hard to live up to those. But I I thought the camp hymn that that's how camp hymns are designed to be um, sung around the campfire to have a little a little more simple uh, simpler melody and and be uh, able for everyone to sing sing along to, not just a choir. I, I thought it was great. I found it helpful because, again, I did. I wasn't there. I didn't do the study, but it seemed like it incorporated a lot of the parables yeah. into the text of the campaign. Like it was a really good sort of recap of everything from the week. So it was kind of a helpful synopsis of the study from my perspective. Yeah, that's right. Okay, so let's jump then to the best moment because I found with this cantata there are some absolutely powerhouse moments. It's the whole bunch. I actually have six. So just brace yourselves for all. I'll suggest the moments I have, and feel feel free to add more if you have any. All right, so I'm going to have a few prepped here then. So the first comes from Thy Salvation. Again, it's a it's a long song, a six-minute song, but it's just wonderful start to finish. But I think the best part of Thy Salvation is the end. So I'm going to play a clip of the, the ending of Thy Salvation.
Oh man, the, the peace and the calm of that moment of embracing the hope and looking forward. It's amazing. You know, this moment is not a, you know, bring down the house with vocal power. It isn't an insane high note, not a huge amount of vocal energy. It's just a, a it's a moment of contentment, of you know, really resting on hope and having that strong foundation and looking ahead. And there really is tremendous fortitude and strength in that. I think of the verse in Hebrews of this hope we have as an anchor of the soul. And that's what that moment is to me. Like that, that held out moment of salvation as the choir sings it. You know, it's like an anchor just latching onto our hope and giving peace and joy. And I think it's an incredible moment. Agree. I love how the um, the bass tenor and the alto kind of you know carry those notes up, and whether you know soprano keeps the the keynote um, for the entire time. But yeah, it's a really powerful ending. Oh, such a powerful ending! It, it's amazing. Okay, so our next moment comes from the song "Seeking the Lost." I really loved the message of this song, but especially at the end, there's a moment of joy and happiness that we'll hear in this clip from the end of "Seeking the Lost." So the specific moment I love there is the line that says, and there is joy in heaven and among us again. However you compose the music there, just the music really elevates, I think, the emotion of, of happiness. And I think it really captures the joy of reconciliation and of the joy that the flock has when the, the one lost sheep comes back to the 99. Or you could think of you know the feast that the father of the house threw and the prodigal son returned. You know how thrilled everyone would have been that the son had come back. So the, that that spirit of joy that comes through reconciliation, I think you've really captured it in the music in that moment. So so thank you very much. Yeah, maybe I'll just jump in there, Mike, because that was um, seeking the lost was probably one of my best moment um, pieces that I had in mind. You kind of cut that little clip just a little bit too short. I love the, the the last bit at the end where we just say seek the lost. And it was kind of like a little coda at the end and it's sort of like a meditative, sung fairly quietly just to kind of, you know, dwell on and think about the lost that, you know, that we can seek after. And I guess it kind of had, you know, special, special relevance to us um, when we wrote it, Living Down in Jamaica with a particular gentleman who used to come to the Ecclesia. He never was baptised, but um, it actually wasn't until about the last week of our five months being there that he eventually started coming back to the meeting. And now he is, uh, you know, a brother in the, he was baptised, he's a brother in the Ecclesia and, a, and you know, really a, a strong cornerstone of the Ecclesia there as well. So kind of had, you know, a bit of special relevance to us. That's a wonderful story, yeah. No, it's, it's wonderful to hear stories like that. And, and I'll add in the clip of the end of the song too there so we can <laughs> Okay, so my next moment then, I actually now have two moments from the song Leading to the Rock. 
And they're actually, they're back-to-back moments. So it's sort of like moment one and one B. But near the end of the song, there's this incredible bridge between two of the choruses. So I'll play the bridge now. And so the moment then would lead into our next, which is the chorus, the finale of the song. But I love in that moment how somehow the composer made it work where the the female voices and the male voices are singing very similar words, but slightly different. They're each repeating a different line from earlier in the song. And somehow as a listener, you can listen to both. Like I can hear what the men are saying and the women. And it just kind of hammers the point home in my brain about relying on Christ, building on him. Somehow the music, the way it was presented there, just really slams that point home. I just love that moment. And so then that leads into the finale of the song, which I'll play now. Amazing. It's absolutely incredible. And to to what you were saying earlier, Dan, about the relevance of this song, like when you hear the choir sing it, no matter the storm, we won't be conformed. And it's like, no matter what is going on in life, like rely on Christ, you know, pray, you know, turn to your faith. Such a helpful message. And I think having this song reminds us of that. And, you know, in the ups and downs of life, you know, I'm 37. I've had I've had my share of down moments for sure. And having this has really helped me. So I think that both for the spiritual significance of the lyrics of this song and how good the music is, it's an absolutely incredible moment and a wonderful end to the song. Oh, I think you've uh, brought it up. Like, yeah, the main the main powerful um, areas in that. I, I totally agree with you. That section in the middle, which. Was that like the bridge? That section the where, bridge, yeah, yeah. where it brought out those two different two different lines, but yeah, singing different things with the men and the women, but uh, yeah, almost coming together really at the same time, and then leading to the uh, to the end and in the chorus. Just every part of that song. I guess sometimes that's what happens when you go back and you uh, you revisit a song again, um, which may happen, you know, for for people who are listening to this cantata who, who heard it firsthand in 08 they go back and just really relive some of these songs again or some may just uh, go and listen to them for the first time but yeah just the power of of music of good scriptural spiritual music yeah just life-changing i thought it was really cool in that song how dan osborne at the beginning the piano accompaniment it almost you can almost sound like the water the water rushing and the water flowing i assume that's the effect that he wanted possibly but uh yeah a bit of a hard rhythm to learn initially but it was yeah it 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 complemented what the singers were singing really beautifully oh i'm so glad you mentioned that linda because this song it absolutely presents a a storm you know hammering upon the song or the choir listener if you will 
where the song begins, where it's just sort of very subtle, like raindrops, like the, the very beginning of a storm. And then it, it jumps up a level and now it's raining a little bit harder. And then the female voices come in. So now the storm is really beginning. It's getting louder. And then the male voices come in. So now you get the full choir and the piano has picked up energy. So now the storm really is, is upon the song, so to speak. And then the composition of the song flips. And then when we sort of embrace being built on Christ, Christ as our rock and our captain, the tone of the song changes. And now there's more of a peace and there's a thankfulness in the spirit of the song, whoever the whatever key it's in. You feel like you can be safe and secure in this part of the song when we're in the storm on Christ. But then again, the song will then flip back and get stormy again when we're when we're not on Christ. So the composition was genius. And Linda, by the way, I was very impressed with like the practice and the time it would take to to play this piano part, because especially at the end of the song, the energy and, and the volume coming from the piano to really simulate like the hammering of the storm as the song concludes was, was very impressive. So thank you for all your practice and time and performing that piano for us. So thank you for that. And I also will mention out of curiosity, my sheet music reading is what it used to be. Is that last note for solid rock, is that a high C? Yeah. So yeah. that is like beyond, way beyond my, <laughs> I didn't sing about the staff. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was really impressed that the choir hit that note as well as it, they, they really pulled off that high C. I mean, you would ordinarily think, you know, a small amateur choir, I don't know if they can hit that note, but they nailed it. it it's a great with power. <laughs> yeah. It went with power. Yeah. Okay. So two more moment suggestions here. The next one comes from the song, The Thorns. And I call this uh, the, the Sharon's Rose Bridge, where in between two of the choruses in this song, there's this beautiful little bridge talking about how you know, in the kingdom age, thorns will be turned to roses. And there's this wonderful hope of, of healing and the curse being undone. So here is a clip from The Thorns.
And so right there, the choir then would kick back into the chorus. But I just love that bridge. Just love everything happening musically. It's, it's a wonderful moment. It gets you thinking about the future and the hope of, you know, the rose shall bloom, Isaiah 35. It's a beautiful piece of music to really lift that prophecy. It's a beautiful moment. So we come now to my final suggestion for best moment, and I've saved this one for last, both because it comes at the really the finale of the cantata, but also I think it's going to be the hands-down winner for best moment. It's an incredible defining moment for this cantata. And that is at the end of the salvation of Israel. It's this amazing song inspired by Ezekiel 37 and Jeremiah 30 about God restoring his people Israel to their land. But then at the end of the song, it flips and it brings back in themes from thy salvation from the first song. It takes us back to Luke chapter one, back to Zechariah's prophecy. And the way the song flips is it's amazing. I can only imagine what it would have been like to be in the pavilion for this moment. I think it is by far the defining moment, the life-changing moment of this cantata. So I'll play the clip now from the end, the big flip in The Salvation of Israel. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Incredible faith building moment. One of those sort of like epiphany type moments where it, it brings the whole cantata full circle, brings Bible prophecy full circle. Uh, amazing moment. I actually, I asked uh, my sister-in-law, Allison, what it was like for her because she was there that year. She had this really brilliant comment. She said that she loved how at the end of that song, they brought back thy salvation creating a loop with the theme of God's salvation because God's salvation and mercy is from everlasting to everlasting. Thanks. So like the cantata itself had God's salvation at the beginning and end, like alpha and omega. Just, I thought it was a brilliant idea and what a, what a wonderful way to bring the song back uh, to conclude the cantata. So I love that moment. What, what was it like being in the pavilion that night when that, that moment first happened? Yeah, I, I think that was, I think that was probably one of the most powerful points. Um, it, like right throughout that song, obviously, if you were listening to it for the first time in the audience, you had no idea that it was going to come back around to the first song, like you say, Mike. And, and so that was powerful, so powerful. And, and as you just played for us, but even right from the very start of that song, right? When on that first note, and then the male voice is coming in, Son of Man, can these bones live? Son of Man, can these bones live? 
Wow. And, and nobody really knew what to expect with that song, right? It starts off so mysterious and... Um, and like no intro, just yeah, one no, note oh, straight yeah. into it. <laughs> <laughs> and just what a what a song it, it turns out to be. And you think, and, and others have commented um, along the same lines too, right? Like here, Daryl, you know, his first year of really composing songs and and conducting the choir and he writes a song on Ezekiel 37 like who does that <laughs> but it was obviously just a, an indication of what was to come <laughs> and what yeah a, amazing what a powerful way to end it I mean I also love the moment where it says like behold the fig tree and all the trees when they shoot forth their leaves Just, there's so many wonderful parts of this song. It's hard to pick just one. But I, I do think that triumphant moment at the end when it brings back the theme of God's salvation really is the moment of the cantata. One of the best moments in cantata history, actually. And especially how he takes the um, the first time, blessed is blessed be the Lord God of Israel. It's it's half the speed. And then it, then it goes back into the blessed be the Lord. So it just is this dramatic, blessed be the Lord. Yeah, yes, exactly. Oh, it's so good. All right, did you guys have any other moments you wanted to throw in there as for consideration? Just one more, Mike, for us on the other song that we put together on sowing and growing. Obviously, that was a very special uh, song for us with uh, an emphasis on sowing the seed and and on preaching and growing in the word ourselves too, um, just with having been in Jamaica when we when we wrote that song together. And so when the choir belted that out, uh, the chorus for the first time, the guys preached the word, and then the ladies said, "Share the news." Right? It it just was a really powerful uh, moment for us to hear that uh, on the night of the presentation. Yeah, that must have been so lovely to see something you've put so much work into to finally come to fruition. So yeah, a beautiful moment. Thank you. Okay, so let's keep moving. Um, our next award then is the the best line of narration. Now, I actually thought there were a lot of really good narration lines in this cantata. I'm just going to suggest one for time's sake, and that is the the very last line of narration, the end of the cantata, where... Before the camp hymn, Yakum would have read, There is much work to be done in the vineyard of our Lord, 
So let each of us, having put our hand to the plow, continue looking forward, lifting up our heads, for the day of our redemption most surely draws nigh. But that was a wonderful conclusion to the cantata and about, you know, let, let's let's put our faith in action as we look ahead to the promise of the return of Christ. So I thought that was a, a great way to end the cantata. That's my pick for the best line of narration. But did any other lines stick out to you guys at all? So we came up with uh, with one right at the start and it, it, it will tie in to something that will go come back to with the number one lesson of the cantata. But right in the first narration, where it says, for 400 years, the world had sat in silence with no open vision, and few remained in Israel who diligently sought to serve Yahweh their God in spirit and in truth. But this faithful remnant understood and believed the promises made to the fathers, Abraham, Isaac, Israel, and David, concerning a savior that was to come. And they understood through prophecy that the time appointed for his appearing was at hand. And so they watched in eager anticipation for the arrival of the Messiah. Certainly, I mean, just it just jumps off the page at us right now, doesn't it? Especially in the circumstances we're in. And when we see the world, you know, in, in the situation it's in. And us having just the word of God to, to go by. But we say just, but we, we have so much in there, as we've already pointed out, you know, and what we've said said tonight. I completely agree. A super relevant part of a piece of narration there, for sure. Okay, so our next award then is this is this is the fun one. This is the crazy one. Wildest opinion about the cantata. So I'll confess, my wild opinion. I actually stole this from Hadassah Styles. So this one comes from her. I thought it was a brilliant opinion. She said we should make a cantata solely focused on songs focused on preaching to others. So many good songs are out there focused on the good and the need for us to preach God's word. Sewing and growing, for example, is one. Have it as the songs to listen to before you go and preach or before Truth Corps would go out and preach, for example. So I thought of, you know, yeah, you could have sewing and growing. You could have shine as lights, send forth thy light. We listen to live. You could put together a little miniature cantata of just preaching. And what a brilliant idea. And I think it all begins with this song, Sowing and Growing. So that was a really cool opinion from Hadassah. Did you guys have any other opinions or want to That's add on great. to that? That's great. I like it. I'll go first because mine's easy. I have no wild opinions. <laughs> None whatsoever. It's it's great. I loved it all. And uh, yeah, I but, but you know what? I'd probably say that for every year. <laughs> it was a great cantata. You know, hard, I don't know what you changed. Yeah. Any wild ideas from you? Um, I guess just going on what Daryl said about the camp hymn, maybe we could rewrite, rewrite the camp hymn maybe. So, and I guess another, this is not really related to the cantata, but just the, uh, the camp piano in general. It would be nice to have an actual working piano where, you know, all the notes work and the sustain pedal works for all the notes as well. I'm sure there were a number of times where I've seen Tim Styles back there fiddling around with things, trying to get the sustain pedal to work. So I know they don't use it anymore um, and it, it does have its place. It's, you know, it's kind of special for those of us who have been back to camp and we kind of recognise that, you know, camp piano sound. But when you're the pianist, it is nice to have something that's in working condition. <laughs> You know, it's funny you mentioned that Rachel Wilson, who's now Rachel Window, she sent me a message about the piano in the pavilion. 
She said that it used to be her grandmother's. Let me find her message here. She said, uh, yeah, that piano used to belong to her grandmother, but her grandparents were involved in the creation of the Bible camp and they helped build the pavilion. So her Nana sent her piano up from Toronto. So that was probably way back in the 70s. So that piano probably has uh, quite a story to tell over the years. Our next award then is, wait, we get to the, the two most important awards. Up, up next, the number one lesson of the cantata. So my, my perspective is probably different from yours in that, you know, I wasn't there for the week. I didn't complete the workbook. So just as an outside listener, what I think strikes me is really the way the cantata ends, where like you think you're listening as the cantata begins to a collection of songs about the parables in Luke. But at the end of the cantata, it really takes the concept of the parable of the fig tree and the parable of the vineyard to their prophetic ends, where it's really about the nation of Israel and their restoration. And so for us as believers, we can look to the fulfillment of those parables as encouraging to our faith that these that those signs mean that Christ is returning, the nation of Israel being reestablished is a testament to his eminent return. So to me, the way the cantata ended is this, this universal message, for workbook done or not, that we can look to Israel, that see their existence as a nation, as proof that Christ is returning soon. And that, that encourages me, it helps me to, to not grow weary in all doing, help me to continue in faith, because I know there is this sign showing me that the kingdom is coming soon. So that's that was the number one takeaway from me from the cantata. But I'm curious what it is for you, having been there and done the workbook and been much more a part of this week at camp. Uh, no, I think you you hit the nail right on the head, Mike. That was exactly it, and it was yeah, it was a little bit a little bit different maybe than what you might have somebody might have expected to uh, to come out of the cantata. But the direction that Daryl took it in, of course was a topic that is so near and dear to all of us. And, and I would say, especially to Daryl, you know, the hope of Israel and fulfilled Bible prophecy, as you say, and the witness of Israel throughout the ages and how powerful that is going back to the, that narration, right? And Israel's Messiah is, is our Messiah. And we wait for, we wait for his second coming, don't we? In, in eager anticipation. So I think you're, I think you're right on with that, Mike. Yeah, the narration right at, at the conclusion of the cantata says, uh, you know, for 150 years, we as Christadelphians have been looking back and praying for the day of Israel's redemption. And but we see it right now, you know, in our day and age. And it's almost a shame that this award says, well, what's the number one lesson? Because this cantata has like, you know, five or six really applicable lessons, as you mentioned before, Dan, about preaching, about looking out for others, seeking the loss, relying on Christ as the rock. There's there's a lot of applicable stuff if you listen to the entire cantata and the narrations. It's a really, I think, very lesson-packed cantata. All right. So that being said, then, what is the legacy of this cantata? Maybe I'll, I'll open up to you guys if you what you think maybe is the what this cantata means all these years later, or what did it mean at the time, and how did it impact the community then? What do you think is the legacy of the cantata? The second last song, the salvation of Israel, just takes it. I it, it's very similar to what we've been saying for the last few minutes, but yeah, it it just gives us proof and reinforces that God can make dry dead bones live again. And that is, that's just the power of, 
of the God we worship. That's just the power of his word and of the prophecies that he gives. And that's real. And, and through music and through the words, Daryl, and through, you know, wrapping all of that in together from the different songs, Daryl just brought that out so beautifully. And I think that's it. Son of man, can these bones live? And the answer is <laughs> only God knows. And of course they can um, through God's power. So, so that's it. God can do that. Is that what Sam said? I think for the uh, <laughs> for for your last podcast, Mike. Maybe, but uh, maybe we just continue that that idea. God is able, right? And um, maybe it sounds too simple, but I think sometimes we overlook the simple things in our spiritual lives. Completely agree. You know that God can save, and that really is the legacy of this cantata, God's plan of salvation, and. The two songs at the beginning and end really bring it out. You know, thy salvation and the salvation of Israel, that God can save. God sent his son to save. He can save individuals. He can save nations. He can save the world. Any that believe on him should not perish. So the message of God's salvation has got to be the legacy of this cantata. And how wonderful that the two bookend songs bring that out for us. I'm curious, maybe a, a parting question to this award. Do you think that these two songs are the best songs Daryl's ever written? Do you think he's topped this? Tough question. It, he, yeah, I'd have to look it up. There is a really good one he wrote the next year when the Exiles returned. Um, As them that yeah, dream. Yeah, I think it's that one. I do really like that one. But I, I would, for me, uh, it, the answer would be no. Yeah, he... he he started off so so strongly. I yeah, it's hard hard to top those two. They are so well done. So I wanted to mention because I played for Daryl for a number of years. This was my first year, and you know, continue for a few years after. And I remember I, I can't remember what year it was, but I mean, Daryl's music was epic in the way that there was a lot of you know big chords, big you know octaves, lots of stretches um, for the pianist to play. And I remember. Auntie Connie and Daryl and I having this conversation once and Auntie Connie, you know, said turned to Daryl and said, You gotta remember that Linda's gotta be able to, you know, play these songs. So we gotta you gotta make them so that they're actually playable because even Daryl will admit that some of the songs that he writes he can't actually even play. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea about that. Come on, Daryl. <laughs> well, we certainly appreciate that Daryl really kind of jumped in this year and provided us with some wonderful spiritual music that certainly praised God and expresses God's plan and also was super encouraging for all of us as listeners. I I remember that that car ride home from Toronto in 2009, just me and my Pontiac vibe, just listening to this cantata three, four times in a row. Just loved it. So very grateful to everyone that contributed. Uh, Dan and Linda, yeah, did you have anything I, else you wanted to add? On, on that topic, I don't we, we had this on our rough notes. It didn't get uh, transferred over to the final draft, I guess. Just a comment about Daryl, too. So growing up with Daryl in the Toronto CYC, <laughs> he was a couple years younger than me. And I remember um, I remember his, his mom kind of asking, you know, if I could keep an eye out for him and just sort of include him in things. And it, it was just, it was almost funny. Like, you know, when Daryl was younger, he was you'd think he was just about scared of his own shadow, right? He was, and he wouldn't say anything. And I would, it would be so hard to get any words out of him, right? At CYC and, and, you know, when we would spend time together. And at one point I remember we were, we were both taking piano lessons and I think I was around, you know, in the 
maybe in the same grade of piano as him and what you know and then as the years passed and then of course boom we we fast forward to 2008 and here here i am you know barely just singing in the choir and here daryl is gets up and conducts the choir at manitoulin youth conference so powerfully we after 2007 we thought like who is going to fill Dan Osborne's shoes, right? Like, the, the, and you know, and Tim Stiles did a, a wonderful job. Um, when did he? 2006, right? 2006. But yeah, then Dan came back for 2007, and we just thought, what, what is going to happen, right? And here, Daryl, who in his in his younger years was just so quiet and so reserved, yeah, just hardly hardly said a word when we were spending time together at CYC, and here he is writing this powerful music and, and just leading this choir. Wow, what a what a lasting impression that had on that has on so many of us. Dan, I remember at Attica, maybe two thousand one, maybe two thousand two, after the, the the Great Lakes Youth Choir gave a choir presentation at Saturday night. You were in my cabin with uh, it was you, Tim Styles, and DJ Perry, and you're talking about well, what is yeah. the future of the choir? Who can play the piano? How are we going to do this? And Dan, you told Tim and DJ, you said, "Hey guys, I." I got someone, I got a guy, I got a guy who can play the piano for us. And I was thinking, who, who is this guy that Dan has that he's telling DJ and Tim can play the piano? Who is this guy? And then a couple of years later, I met him and oh, Daryl Rose. And we so grateful to have this wonderful friendship with him. But yeah, he, I always wondered who was Dan's guy. And I was so pleased to have finally met Daryl. And he's consistently done that that since 2008 up until now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Except apparently you can't play the music he writes. Come on, Daryl. <laughs> are, are any other uh, final thoughts from you, Dan or Linda? Yeah, I just wanted to echo your words. I was listening to the very first podcast that you that you did just to introduce um, introduce everything, and you said that you really hope brothers and sisters and young people go back and listen to these con- cantatas in their entirety. And and I would say for sure, I would agree that that listening to them. In their entirety, I liked how you said at one point you you just listened to the uh, narrations of one of the particular cantatas. <laughs> no, not to skip the narrations, but yeah. to really take the time to sit down and take forty five minutes, you know, to listen listen to one in its entirety. They're just so well done, so well put together, bringing out the key lessons from the week. And yeah, I really hope that uh, that others will do. I I myself would like to go back and and do that. Um, for my own benefit, and I hope others will as well. Completely agree. And I also want to thank you for your time tonight. It was wonderful to see you both again, to catch up. And thank you for sharing your thoughts and your insight and what this cantata meant to you. I I really appreciated hanging out with you guys. Thank you for inviting us. Really, really appreciate the offer and to to talk about this. And I um, I have in my hands too, my last note perhaps, I have a sealed copy of the CD from 2008, and uh, it's it's you know a CD. The younger generation won't know what a CD is, but uh, if you're the older generation and uh, you'd like a copy of that CD, I uh, I still have one. So just uh, if you're listening out there and you uh, you'd like that CD, let me know. <laughs> that is wonderful. Yeah. So anyone who wants a That's a right. mint condition CD, please see Dan. Or if anyone who would love to see a video of this cantata, we're going to try to somehow find it from Dave Jackson. So I'll get back to you on that. 
Uh, so thank you once again to everyone who contributed. Thank you to Dan and Linda. It was a wonderful year at conference and a wonderful cantata. So let's go out now with the camp hymn, which was called Unto Us. <laughs>